This was not a wiffle ball game. This kid was swinging a metal bat, okay? And I, again, like, I was like, man, I'm going first. So I like, mm, I'm in the front of this clump, directly behind the swing, right? Perfectly for the back swing. So all of a sudden I'm like, ah, and all of a sudden I'm not looking. And wham, boom, I'm on the ground. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I can't see. I'm like, oh, I'm on the ground. And then I'm like, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking up. I, I feel my head and I see all my friends' faces and tail. Ah! And then they start running and I'm like, ah, because there's blood on my hands. And I'm like, ah, long story short, my dad zoomed over, took me to the hospital, had 13 stitches in my left eye. Oh, that was a fun memory. Yeah, I remember my dad, you know, people had to hold, I was seven, had to hold me down because had to get in there with the stitches in the eye, sensitive, that wasn't fun. Whose fault was that? Was it mine? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, partly for sure. Was it the kids shoving me forward? Nah. I actually think it was my friend's dad's fault. Mostly. And, and here's why. Where was the boundary? I mean, I'm seven. Paint a line. Give me a cone. Better yet, don't let the kids stand behind home plate. Put them in the outfield where they're supposed to be to get the ball. But there was no boundary. He had none set up. And I paid the consequences. A boundary would have been nice that day. So over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of boundaries. It would take me half the sermon to sum them all up, to recap those sermons adequately. So if you missed one, go back online, catch them. But in short, Pastor John had laid out <clears throat> for us that boundaries are for our good and eyebrow safety, but they protect us. You know, I used to, for instance, I used to be a phys ed teacher and that was a ton of fun. And, and actually, the year before I took this job, six years ago, uh, I was at an elementary school. And I loved it, man. Teaching, you know, six and seven-year-olds how to, you know, move their bodies, run around, play tag, and, you know, skip. You know, what's a skip to a six-year-old? <laughs> That's pretty funny to watch. Um, but for the kindergarten class, you know, the, like the five-and-a-half, six-year-olds, just teaching them the, like what a boundary is, like they can't even say that word half the time. Like, I'm going to the boundary. No, not, no. Um, so the first class I would have during the school year, I would teach my kindergarten class, I would have them walk literally in the gym, the boundary line in this basketball court, right? And like, here's the half court line, and, here, like, and now we're going to play line tag. Oh, sweet. Follow the leader on the lines. And I would make them, all right, now we're going to play this game inside the boundaries. Don't go outside the boundaries, because that's called a wall, and that will hurt. So inside, that's, okay, yeah, thanks, Mr. D. And inevitably, right, you start to play this game, and there's that one kid. Woo-hoo, I'm outside the boundary. Right, and then, bam, hits the wall. And I'm like, dude, I told you. <laughs> but they're to protect us. So yes, we've established that boundaries are for our good. We've used this idea mostly linked to your relationships, but I want you to understand this is not a relationship series. It's, it's, it's a biblical principle. God used a boundary to create order out of chaos. He, he used them to give us freedom and direction and, and purpose to protect us, not punish us. That's the the Genesis 1 story with Adam and Eve. And I've been sitting where you are, 
hearing Pastor John with these sermons, and I left each week feeling inspired, like, yeah, like, they're for our good. I'm so glad we're talking about this. I get, all right, today I'm going to set up my boundaries this week. Here we go. I know they're for our good. They're to protect my family and myself. And so let's go. Yeah, boundaries, let's do them. But the inspiration soon <laughs> leaves, and a nagging feeling tends to happen for me. I don't know if it's happened for you. I'm like, yeah, I know they're good for me and for everyone in my life. But part of me just really doesn't want to set up the boundary. If I'm on it, like, part of me doesn't want to. Or part of me just doesn't, like, know how. Why, why do we do that? Or, you know, I was thinking, why do I do that? You know, if it's true that boundaries are for my good and God put them in place for me to survive, not just thri- for, to thrive, not survive, then why do we have such a hard time setting up boundaries? So let's think about this. Let's start at layer one, right, an easier level, and then we'll work our way deeper as we go along. The first reason, John already expressed and he already addressed, and, but let's quickly reference it. We have a hard time setting up boundaries because we believe it's unchristian to do so. Like, that's not the Christian thing. Setting up boundaries is not the, the nice thing to do. But nobody thinks, and he used this example, nobody thinks it's unchristian to set up a pin code on your debit card locks on your doors. Nobody scoffs at that and thinks, gosh, wow, they're just really unchristian for having that pin code. No, we understand that as stewards of our money, as stewards of our family, we're going to protect those things. I am being a good husband and father when I check the doors at night. I am being a cheerful giver when I set up a budget for myself. So when I think we, we mostly get tripped up with this thought, you know, isn't it unchristian to have a boundary, is when we read scriptures like these in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So yeah, right there. Like, I don't need a boundary. Like, you're more important than me. It's right there. You know, don't look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Or how about John 15? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one life's for one's friends. I read those, I don't know about you, but I read those, right, and if you just take those out of context, if you're just like, yeah, this is a good verse for my Instagram page today, I, I, I naturally think, yeah, don't be selfish. Like, put, above, uh, put others above myself, no matter the cost. That's what I'm gonna do. Sure, let me, let me tack on some humility today. I'll forego all of my interests, and only focus on yours. I'll lay down my life for you. I'm just doing the Christian thing. How about Galatians 6? Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. See? I'm doing the Christian thing. I lay down my life so I can carry your burdens, right? So then isn't setting up a boundary the opposite? Wouldn't that be the unchristian thing to do? But Galatians does continue to say, and a couple verses later, each one should carry their own load. So carry your burdens, carry their burdens, and carry your own load. What? That seems confusing. So then there has to be, there must be a difference between a burden and a load. A burden is something we can both carry. I can 
assist with, but according to the scriptures, we also have a load. Think of it like a boulder versus a, back, a backpack. And I think Pastor John said this. A boulder is like, I can carry, you're holding this big thing, so let me like, you know, let's, let's carry it together, shimmy across. Yeah, uh, but a backpack is mine. I wear, I'm, so I'm still wearing my backpack as I'm carrying your boulder with you, and you still have your backpack on. So there's a difference. I don't take your backpack off to put it on. Ooh, two backpacks. No, you have yours, and I have mine. All right, let's go a little deeper. The second reason that you might have a hard time, that you don't like setting up boundaries, is because you believe you're a superhuman. You got superpowers. We think that we're the ones that can handle other people's burdens. Deep down, I think that I'm the answer. Am I? Are you? Should you be? I mean, sure, yeah, you can potentially be a help to that person's situation. Perfectly? Forever? No. What happens when you run out of energy? What happens when you're exhausted with trying to help? Will you be of any help to them? A tired version of you, is that really helpful? But you're the answer. What happens when you've had a long day? and you're all out of patience. No, that never happens to you. You're all out of kindness. No, that never happens to you. You're humans. We are humans. So that's going, you know this, that's going to happen. You and I have to have, we have to have an appropriate level of self-awareness. I'm actually limited in my ability and capacity to help you. Oh, I wish I wasn't, but I am. Just because I have a desire to help doesn't always mean I have the capacity to help. But we don't like that. We don't like admitting that. We think we're the ones to handle it so we don't put up the boundary. Bad self-awareness. And I'm not, just, I'm not saying that you even do this intentionally. No, of course not. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You don't do this intentionally. I don't do this intentionally. But let's be honest, we're good at saying what word to everything. Yes to everything. Well, I just feel bad. So what's one more thing? I mean, ah, I can squeeze that in. But at some point, and you feel this. I'm just putting language to it today. Rubber meets the road. We have a breaking point. Our humanness tends to run out. Yeah, you can handle a lot, but you don't have an infinite capacities. Man, if only if there was someone who did. Oh, right. God has unlimited resources. We don't need to try to be God for people. Maybe we're viewing our responsibility wrong. Maybe our responsibility to our brothers and sisters is to point people to the one who actually can handle their stuff. But we don't like to admit it's really not us. I get tempted with this all the time, okay? This is a mic problem. I don't like that Pastor John asked me to talk about this topic because this is like my problem. I just want to help, but I'm not God. There is a limit in my capacity for you. No matter how much I could, like, I wish I could snap my fingers.
have no need for God. And that's an even bigger problem. Let's be honest. I, I only have so much time in a, in a day. I can't handle, I, can't, I don't have the capacity for 20 like close, close friendships. I have the capacity for maybe three, four, five, maybe? Like close. I can't mentor all 100 of the students. Not one-on-one. If I did, I'd get nothing else done. And I would never see my wife and daughter. See, we know we have limits, but we act like we don't, and therefore we're not good at setting up the boundary. Or we don't want to. We don't like to, because we think we can handle it. A desire to help is one thing, but your capacity to help might be a lot less than your desire. I know in New Jersey, (laughs) I know in New Jersey we think we can conquer everything. Adding one more thing just doesn't seem too much. That's not ridiculous. You can squeeze in another lunch. You can shoot over to help, you know, after work. Maybe. In the long run, forever, always. Ah, be careful. When I first took this role, you know, five and a half or so years ago, the previous youth pastor, his name is Steve, my buddy, uh, he's, we, we talk, we actually have a, um, a, a FaceTime meeting over lunch. Wow, look at that. We got a, a, a FaceTime date next week. Like, we're still friends, which is a rare thing. Um, he said to me, within the two weeks that he was training me, right, so he just met me, and he could pick up on this really early. <clears throat> he said, hey, Mike, you know, you can do anything for a season. Once it's longer than a season, you're not going to be able to sustain that. And I was like, yeah, what does this guy know? A couple months here at Mendham Hills, whoa, is he right? He had another great line, too, that he heard from a pastor, and he said to me, like, Mike, do for one what you wish you could do for many. Do for one what you wish you could do for many. I didn't get that until my capacity started to, like, meet its limit, and I was starting to feel stretched thin. Okay, I need to do one for one what I wish I could do for many. He saw that in me really quickly. You can't can't help help everyone. everyone. You'll You'll burn burn out. out. See, unintentionally, we, we believe, believe it's, it's our, our response. I mean, maybe, right? Maybe, maybe there's a part of us unintentionally that believe it's our responsibility to be other people's God for them. It's our responsibility to provide for them, to take responsibility for them. It's, I, I, I got to save them. I need to protect them from themselves, protect them from their feelings. And what happens? Some of you already know. Anyone who wants into your life, we let in. Anyone, yeah, because we're just kind of hoping that someone will want to be in. Oh, great. We'll get to that in a second, too. People want us to be God for them. But it's not, it is not your role or responsibility to completely take on someone else's backpack. It's not. No matter how much they try to convince you, it is. Their backpack is theirs. But ultimately, ultimately what happens is it keeps you from stewarding yourselves well. There's no boundary, so we help too much. It also prevents the other person, excuse me, from learning to do the same. When we constantly remove the load for them, they will never feel the weight of their poor decisions. 
if we're just always there to rescue, you'll never feel the, they'll never feel the weight of their decision. We can be responsible to them, carry the load, the burden, the burden, but we, we, we can't be responsible for them. If you become responsible for them, then you're on the road to become codependent on them. Like it or not, you're unable to experience joy because your joy becomes dependent on theirs and vice versa. And as you enable them, you wind up making them human beings that are not free the way God wants them to be free, created them to be free. And you end up hurting them and you end up hurting yourself. The real danger, hear me on this. I know I'm saying this a lot, but we have to get this. We have to be reminded of this. The real danger is not setting up a boundary is that you won't be able to help them. The real, oh, excuse me, the real danger is not setting up a, in not setting up a boundary, is not that you can't, the danger is that you are able to help them and always will. That's the dangerous thing, that you will always help them. If you don't set up a boundary, if I don't set up a boundary, we will find ourselves either accepting from them control over their lives, for instance, they come into your yard and, and they dump your stuff. <clears throat> or we move into their yard and assume responsibility. Hey, neighbor, I see you needed some help. So here I am. The Savior has arrived. It's me. You become God for them. They look to you as Savior. And they place you, whether you want them to or not, in place of God in their heart. That will just happen. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. That's not going to help them in the long run. That helps no one. Not the person you're trying to help, not the people you're trying to protect, not even you. You'll start to feel like you're the answer. Yeah, aren't I the answer? Wow, I had a great day. I helped three people today. You're not the answer. Christ is the answer. Christ has to be the answer. We have to set up the boundaries so that others look to the cross and not their willing friend and not just their parents and not just their coworker. They have to, at some way, your boundary helps them look to the cross. Jesus says, come to me. We have to wrestle with those words in this, in this topic. Jesus says, come to me. Not, well, first, you know, go ask your best friend. He didn't tell people that. Well, why don't you go see what they think first? Or your parents, or your mentor, or your pastor, your close friends. Once you gather all the wisdom, then come to me, and then I'll tell you. No, Jesus says, I'm the way. All who are weary, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Maybe the most loving thing that you can do for that person that you're thinking of in your mind, in your life, is set up the boundary so that you can help them rely on God. Let me give you a personal example. It's only fair. I'm not good at boundaries. I don't like them. Sometimes I, I do think I can handle this. Yeah, one more thing. I can handle that. Sometimes I think I am the one to help. Man, if I could only meet with that student, I'd help them. Oh. For me, it mostly happens when I'm thinking about my students. This is hard for me to admit. I, you know, I'm trying to do this better. 
But I have a tendency to prioritize ministry, meeting with students, being here, meeting with you know, all these people, over my family. It's so easy for me. I tend to fill my calendar every week. I would take the call at 1 a.m. to, to you know, talk students out of a hard mental, emotional situation. I'd squeeze people into my, my schedule so I can meet to talk with them. You know, I'm just such a great encourager that they just need my encouragement. Give me a break. And sometimes that is the job, right? That it is, as a pastor, it is my job to pastor the people. Not for the sake of my family. You know, what, at what expense? Two things can happen if I don't have boundaries. My, my wife and daughter see less of me. And when they do see me, I'm emotionally and spiritually tapped out. I'm zapped. I'm a zombie. Or I'm becoming the savior for the people, for the students, for the parents, for whoever. Which makes people look to me. And they want my help and guidance. And that is the very thing I don't want to happen. I don't want the students to to only look to me or to look to me. No! So I'm creating the very thing I don't want because I don't like a boundary. And I won't face that. Isn't the most loving thing I can do is teach students to be dependent on Jesus? Heck yeah, absolutely. That starts with me getting over my dislike for boundaries. Setting up appropriate ones, healthy ones, sticking to them. Before I give you a way to resolve this, I will give you a way to resolve this, but let's go one more reason deeper, shall we? The most vulnerable of reasons that you might not like to admit or to think about, and maybe you won't, but I encourage you to think about this. The reason we don't like boundaries is because we believe the voice of our deep insecurities. Let me explain. We are looking for others to be God for us. Not only are we looking to be God for other people, we want other people to be God for us, to fill the places of our heart. Here's what I mean. I I can't set up a boundary because I want to be liked. And in order for me to be liked, I need to show people I'm strong enough, I'm super busy. Look at my calendar. Oh, how you doing? I'm busy. I always have the best wisdom to give, etc. I can't set up boundaries because I want to be popular. I can't set up boundaries because I want, I want to be impo- important. I'm important depending on how much I'm needed, right? I can't set up the boundaries because I want to be seen as successful. Don't you see it? We do this all the time. We do this all the time. I actually don't want to set up the boundary. If I do, you won't need me. And then the voices that have been telling me all the lies, they'll be proven right. I'm not important because you don't need me. Better yet, some of us don't want to set up boundaries because we're afraid to hurt feelings of other people. I just don't want to hurt their feelings. I think this is a major reason we don't like boundaries. We're afraid of how others will react, and if they react bad, if I hurt their feelings, they won't like me. Deep insecurities, ah, here we go. For example, if I went to my wife and said, Hey, hon, I called her, I called her you know, in the afternoon you know, during the day or something like that. I know I said I'd be home for dinner. I know it's our family. I know. Oh, you already made it. Ugh. Yeah, so a kid t- texted me today, and I promised him earlier this month that I would make it to a game, and I just don't want to hurt their feelings. So I'm not going to make dinner tonight. 
I, I don't even know if I'm going to be home for Alan's bedtime. Sorry. I love you. Bye. Because I don't want to hurt the kid's feelings. The sad thing is, that was a true story. That's happened. I've done that because I was afraid to hurt someone's feelings because if I hurt their feelings, my insecurities are saying, oh, I'm not a good pastor. Oh, they won't like me. Oh, they won't need me. Ah. See how the insecurities can mess with your mind and, and hurt the people you love most? The bolder I can bear with that student, right, because that's, I took on that kid's backpack, their feelings. The bolder, the bolder should have been, let me, let me explain the boundary. Let me, let's set up a different time where I'm not busy, because I already said this. I should have done that. So when we don't have boundaries, it's easy to get to a place we don't even mean to be or realize that you're at. We, we, get our, we don't get our identity from the Lord when you don't set up a boundary. You get your identity from being important, popular, successful, well-liked. I just did it a minute ago. Look at how awesome Pastor Mike is. Oh, he takes a call at 1 a.m. Isn't he awesome? Hmm. So boundaries can get thrown out the window when we don't like them, when we're afraid to hurt feelings, when we listen to our insecurities. We think that's the answer, but that just creates the problem. All it does is feed my insecurity and doesn't let God be God for myself. Doesn't let God be God for myself. Being loved by God isn't enough. Again, I don't think that we intentionally do this. I don't intentionally do that. I'm like, yeah, I woke up, had a great day, didn't make God for God, be God for me. Woohoo! Like, no. I just think it naturally happens, doesn't it? I witness students do this all the time. And that's my context. That's why I use, you know, this morning students a lot, because that's just my context. That's what I see all the time. Because of their stage of life, and if there's students in the room, don't worry, I'm not picking on you. Don't worry, I'll let you off the hook in a second. Um, because of your stage of life, students, you're figuring out who you are, what you like, what you don't like, where you fit in, who you fit in with, and sometimes you're willing to do whatever it takes to fit in and feel accepted and be accepted. You hesitate to share your opinions. I know you do. You keep it to yourself. Why? You don't want to be made fun of. You don't want to be rejected. Some of you say yes to everything, students. This is just a student problem, right? Some of you say yes to everything, students. I'll try out for that. Ooh, I'll join that club. Yeah, that'll look good on college applications. Wow, that popular person just started to talk to me. Ooh, wants to hang out. And yes, I'll join that band. And by the way, I needed to take the best classes because I don't want to disappoint my parents, let them down. Some of those are out of their control. Some of them not out of their control. Sometimes, sometimes, students have little boundaries. Just a student problem. I wonder where they learned it from. They want to be accepted. They want to feel important. They want to be loved, fulfilled, and popular. But then they unknowingly, I see this happen, it breaks my heart. Sometimes I'm the problem. Students sometimes unwillingly let others be God for them. That's not just a student problem. Church, I'm really asking you to consider this this morning. Are you letting other people be your God? You have to consider that question. You have to do the deep heart work to consider that question, to be a student of your heart, student of yourself. Am I letting other people be God for me? 
Maybe, I don't know. Hey, do you think I'm being a, I don't know. Are you letting other people provide for you your identity, your purpose? If you are, then who you are will be in how well you can perform. Your identity becomes in what you do. See, I'm feeling fulfilled. Why? Because so-and-so gave me a compliment today. Wow, that's a nice shirt. Cool, I finally feel better. I got the invite. Finally, I was included. Oh, they just apologized. Oh, that made me feel so good. I got a hug. I got the job. I got a raise. Oh, I aced that test. I got asked out on a date. If you're a parent, oh, I'm a great parent because, hey, did you see my, my kid? They just, man, they just made that great tackle at the football game. Oh, man, they made it to that Ivy League school. They just got that scholarship. I must be a great parent. I say this a lot to my students, and I want to say it to you this morning, too. Your value is not based on your performance. And you need to know, your value is not based on your performance. I want you to know your identity is not in what you do. There's nothing you can do. You've heard this before, but I'm just here to remind you today. You've heard this before. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. He just Loves you. You're a child of God, beloved, accepted, welcomed. Why would God make you his child? Because he, when he looks upon you, he doesn't see your performance level. You're either in or out by your performance. He looks at you with deep, unshakable love as a child. First John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. So let's all pretend now that we're in a similar spot. That we can all agree that we need to set up boundaries. And if we're honest, we're, we can say that part of us doesn't like to. Then another reality needs to set in. We need to encourage others to set up boundaries. You have to encourage your friends to set up boundaries. And, and you have to respect them when they do. Not the person. You have to respect the boundary when they are set up. I have to be careful like, for example, when, when I'm asking students to help me or join the youth band or, hey, can you come set up for this event? They don't want to disappoint me. People don't like to be mean to me because I'm just so nice. Um, so I, I, I feel that tension, right? Um, people don't like to say no to me when I ask them for help. So I have to be very cautious and helpful. And I'll give you an out when I do ask for help because I know it's hard to say no. But especially with students, I, they like, hey, can you come help? You know, would you like to you know, join in and, and help out with this. I, especially if it's in person, <laughs> I can like feel it. They go, um, I, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll help. You know, I just have like a thousand other things. But yeah, 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 I'll help. I'm like, okay, let's repeat after me. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I love to. I love to. But I can't. But I can't. So, so no. So no. okay. I, I literally like. I'll say no for you. I will help you set up your boundary. You're not going to disappoint me. Say no. Okay, and we'll, we'll come up, I'll, I'll keep you in mind for next time, kiddo. <laughs> and they say, okay, thank God, right? They're just like, oh. I don't think we only have a problem set up, setting up boundaries. We also don't want to respect the boundaries. If you can get to the point where it's true for you, that it's good for you to set up boundaries, right, yes, then it's also true for them, everyone else. If it's true for me, it's true for you. 
And why do I get upset when you set up a boundary to me? Oh, can't believe this. They said no. Why does it, right? Like, why doesn't it feel good when people set up boundaries for you? It doesn't feel great, right? Honestly, like, ah, yeah, sorry, I'm really sorry. I just can't do X, Y, and Z for you right now. Maybe next time. And then you go, well, how about now? Why can't you help me right now? I wish that I was on the top of your to-do list. Don't you, or like, don't you see I'm, I need help? Like, why? What? You look like your life is fine. Can't you come help me? We don't like to respect other people's boundaries. Why? So what does it look like to respect a boundary? Let's just talk about that really, really quickly. When they tell you they can't meet with you, or they can't drop everything they're doing to help you, or they don't answer your text late at night because that's their family time, we respect the boundary, here it is, by believing the best <laughs> about the motive behind the boundary. The boundary isn't about you. It's not even about you. They're trying to protect their family. They're trying to protect... It's not about you. We, we can't assume motive fallacy. Oh, yeah, see, they just don't like me. No, that's your insecurities talking. It's not because they don't love you or they don't care or they don't want to help. We, and here, we respect the boundary by being slow to anger quick to listen, quick to understand. I give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, there must, be, there must be a good reason. I believe the best in that person. I'm yeah, okay, I'm okay. They're not my God. Remember, they're not your God. And if they are, then you get upset at the boundary. We respect their boundaries by not letting our heart put them in God's status. Oh, you're the only one that can help. No, that's not true. It's a great opportunity to give that person some space, to not push past what they're giving you because the boundary is not about you. <laughs> Many times, Jesus set up boundaries and people didn't like it. So this is not a new thing. It's not just a you thing. God incarnate in human form had boundaries. In Luke 5, Jesus heals a man with leprosy in the middle of the town, and, and the people heard, oh, wow, Jesus healed someone with leprosy? Oh, my gosh. So crowds came around Jesus. Jesus, heal me. No, heal me. No, heal me. And Jesus was like, I don't know what he was actually like in that, but like, I read this text in Luke 5. Let's quickly read it. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came near to him, to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Heal me, Jesus. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. What? Wouldn't you assume Jesus like, yeah, I'll heal you and I'll heal you and I'll heal you. Like, bam, 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 bam. No, he says, I need to go pray. He withdrew to the lonely places. That's really interesting to me. Jesus' boundary of having time away to be alone wasn't about them, though. It was, he knew, he felt this, he had to commune with the Father. He had to be filled before he could then pour out some more. While God is a God of unlimited everything, capacity and resources, Jesus, this is really interesting, he chose to embrace his human limitations 
so that he could model for you and me what this looks like. Just another reason why I can really relate to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And more on that in a moment. So if you're a little bit about, if you're a little bit like me, and you're someone who struggles with setting up boundaries, let me submit to you a couple ideas, really quickly. We, we can go get coffee, if it fits in my calendar, or my schedule. And we can talk more about this, but here's a couple ideas. Here's how you can begin to love boundaries. If you tend to be God for others, I can help you. Then you need to connect them with other people who are not you. If they come to you, for instance, like asking how to fish, don't fish for them. You can teach them how to fish, or better yet, you can set them up with a better teacher who can teach them better. That will practice your heart that you're not God for them. This person's better than me. Go ask them. For those of you who have been in the category of allowing others to be God because of our own insecurities, I want you to make me feel better and more important. Let me again remind you, here's the solution of Jesus. I mean, that's why I'm here this morning, uh, to direct you to the cross. Please don't walk away going, oh, I just need to talk to Pastor John. I just need to talk to, to Mike. No, you don't. Jesus had to refill on the truth of God. This is a Jesus thing. In John 14, 10, this is what Jesus is saying. Hear these words. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. He often, Jesus withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. If you make others your God, you need to do this. Jesus set up boundaries for himself, meaning he put them up, he accepted them, created space to commune with the Father, and his soul was filled. I want a filled soul. Aren't you tired of being exhausted? Listen to me. Listen to me. If Jesus needed this, if Jesus got his identity and fulfillment from the Father, what makes you think you don't need to? What makes you think you don't need to? What makes me think I don't need to? Oh, boundaries aren't for you? No wonder you're exhausted. The best thing that a boundary can help you with that you might be missing out on is communion to get a relationship with God. That's what it is. We too, I too, need to create a space and time to just be with God. Everyone just sleep. Sometimes I'll come in here when no one else is here. I just want to be with God and draw our identity, my identity from him, not other people. Let me not go see what other people think of me. What does God think of me? Boundaries help me, and they'll help you ensure that you do this. Remember that you and I are ultimately called to serve and glorify God, not people. I know that's not a new thing to think about, but we need to be reminded this morning that that's not an empty platitude. I need to remind myself of this. Your core identity is in Jesus Christ. It's not in what you do or how important you are. Your value is not based on your performance. And once you can stake your claim on your true identity, then you'll be able to set up boundaries and you'll be surprised 
you'll start to love them and you'll bring glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. Let's stand in close.